Hello and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm journalist Erin Dean and this episode is going to focus on a nurse-led system that allows patients and their families to trigger an urgent clinical review. This approach, called Call for Concern, is currently getting a lot of attention as a likely model for Martha's rule. The campaign for this rule is led by the parents of 13-year-old Martha Mills, who watched her die in a London hospital after staff failed to listen to their concerns. Martha's rule would give patients and their families the right to trigger an urgent second opinion if they feel that they are not getting the care they need. Call for Concern was started at the Royal Berkshire Hospital in Reading in 2009 and is around the clock service provided by nurses on the critical care outreach team. This model, which has since been implemented by a number of other hospitals, was proposed as a good approach by Martha's mother, Maropi, in a BMJ article. Kindly joining me today is Alison Schofield, lead nurse for the critical care outreach team, which runs Call for Concern at the Royal Berkshire Hospital. We're going to talk about how the service works, how much it is used, the difference it can make, and what other hospitals looking to implement such a service can learn from their experience. Thanks so much for joining me today, Alison. Morning, Erin. Thank you. So I know this service is well established at the Royal Berkshire as it has been in place for more than 10 years. It's currently getting a lot of interest and I know you've had lots of visitors like uh, the Chief Nursing Officer and the Patient Safety Commissioner all keen to find out more as part of the government's work around implementing Martha's Rule. So I think if we start with the critical care outreach team um, as uh, as you deliver the Call for Concerned service, so perhaps you could tell me a bit about how the team works, who's on it and how available you are. Our critical care outreach team was started in 2001 and um, by my colleague Mandy O'Dell and we run a 24-hour seven-day-a-week service um, and we've got 16 members of uh, staff on our team, all nurses, a mixture of advanced nurse practitioners um, and clinical nurse specialists. So we were a well-established team before um, we brought Call for Concern in in 2009. And how, what, what makes up most of your work? Because it's not, and we'll get onto this, but it's not Call for Concern, is it? So what are you generally doing day to day? So we carry a bleep um, and we take referrals from nurses, doctors, um, people all over the trust um, when they've got a clinical concern about um, a patient. So we go and assess the patient, uh, we may prescribe medicines, we work with a multidisciplinary team and um, come up with a, a plan of care for that patient. Um, and we assist with the sickest patients in the hospital on a daily basis. So you go all over the hospital, don't you? And you're a, a very skilled nursing, highly trained, skilled nursing team. Yes, most of our nurses on the team have been nursing for, for well, probably greater than 10 years, actually. So, yeah, we, we've got lots of experience. We've got a couple of paediatric nurses within the team. Um, most of our backgrounds are critical care, as in intensive care. But we've got people with backgrounds from um, emergency department and uh, higher, a higher monitoring unit in the hospital. So we've, we've got a good a good range of skills. And I know one ICU doctor described you as being like the eyes and ears of the of the critical care unit um, across the hospital. Would, would that be a good description? It is, yes, because because we're out and about on the wards on a on a, a well day by day basis. So we we know the hotspots and the 
the poorly people all over the hospital. That that may be paediatrics, that may be maternity, emergency department, all over. Yeah. And and often um, I think your response is triggered by um, a new score of, um, is it five or more? That's right. Yeah. Early warning scoring system of five or more. Yes. Uh, or three in one parameter. And the nurses will escalate or the doctors will escalate um, that as per the escalation policy. So let's get on to call for concern. So that's part of your remit. Um, and that is um, triggered by a patient or relative. So what? how does that, how does that service work? So um, Merope's idea would be that the nurses and the doctors have immediate access to us for assistance. And Merope's um, idea is that, that patients and relatives also can have immediate access to a critical care outreach team. For, um, to discuss their views and concerns um, and get a second opinion on that patient's care. Mm. So that the call for concern, um, uh, we carry the team carries a dedicated mobile phone um, and the phone number is advertised across the trust with posters, leaflets, banners and on the hospital internet. Um, so we advertise our phone number um, for those families that um, so they can ring us. So if they, uh, if a relative comes in, they see they 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 see a patient and they feel they feel like they're deteriorating. They feel that something is is wrong that hasn't been picked up. They can call you, and then what happens? So we will take a history um, from that uh, relative or patient. Um, and we, we, all of our hospital notes are on a computerized system. So we may, if we have time or access, look into that patient's notes to get a bit more of a background. Um, we triage that referral um, alongside our other, because we're a busy team. So we triage it along all our other referrals. Um, and then we go and assess the patient. So we do a clinical assessment of the patient and we liaise with a multidisciplinary team. So that may be the doctor, it may be the physio, the occupational therapist. Um, we liaise with the whole team um, and discuss the plan of care for that patient um, and help instigate any changes to that plan of care. And then we go back to the family and the patient um, and discuss what we have discussed with the multidisciplinary team. And that may be that we've asked the consultant to come and speak with the family members to further discuss that patient's care or um, update them on what is happening with the patient. We document after in the patient's notes after that call. And what are the kind of things that people get in touch about? Do they fall into broad themes? Is there a lot of variation when, when patients or relatives get in touch? Yes, we've got three main themes. Um, and the biggest one is communication by far. Um, at some point during that patient's stay, there's been a breakdown in communication. And, and that may be that you know people are busy in their lives, they've been at work all day, they come in in the evening, they want an update, um, and automatically they're faced with an on-call team who doesn't know the patient. So for whatever reason, you get a communication breakdown families don't understand or 
um, there's been a lapse in communication um, and that obviously that raises their concerns then. They don't know what's going on um, and their anxiety rises. So that's the biggest and the, the, uh, the most uh, difficult one. The next one is clinical condition. So they, they come in, families come in and they my loved one looks worse. They can't actually say why they look worse, but they look worse. Um, so they, they phone about the patient's clinical condition. Um, and the last one really is just general, just it covers general that they're, they're not getting the right medications, they're not getting enough analgesia, um, they're not mobilizing as well as they did. It just covers a broad, broad spectrum of things really. So three do, main things. Do these types of calls, do they tend to be quite different to the escalations that you get from the clinical team, from the doctors or nurses? Do they, do they tend to be for different reasons? Um, they don't tend to be for different reasons. They are often families when they phone, they are, they've, they've exhausted all avenues of trying to seek help. Um, and the first thing they say is I'm so sorry to call you they mm. apologized for phoning they don't want to take up our time uh, they think we're a busy service and they apologize for taking up our time um, so already that they are in an anxious um, and an anxious state really so the calls are a lot more emotive the patients um, can be a lot more complicated. They may have learning disabilities. Um, they may have had a prolonged hospital stay. So often the, um, the calls are much more complex and the cases are much more complex and they take more time to, to organise. Yeah. And, and could you give an example of, I don't know if there is a typical call, but the type of calls that you might, well, that might be, just to give a, just to give an example of the service in action. Um, we, most of our population here in Reading are, um, well, like any area really, are older patients. So we get quite a lot of uh, trauma where people have fallen or they're not coping at home. Um, so we would, we can get a call from a daughter saying that her mother's fallen, um, she's fractured her ribs and um, the daughter is concerned that the the mother's mobility is poor, she's in pain, um, we're not keeping on top of her pain relief, um, and how, how am I going to manage my mother at home because she's, she's much worse now than she was when she came in. So it, that's a, a, a combination of things that she's worried that, about the lack of analgesia, she's worried about the mobility, she hasn't spoken to the doctors, mother's looking worse today. So it's it's a combination of concerns. And your your the work of your team, you you go in and it's quite a, a sort of time limited intervention, isn't it? You go in, you have a look, you try, uh, you improve things, um, and then and then you step back, don't you? Yes. So when we speak to and update the family members, um, we reassure them that it's okay to use the call for concern phone again by all means if they're further concerned to ring us but otherwise we put a treatment plan in place um, and we're happy with that plan and we step back because we have a huge work list and we have other patients to see um, so we don't have the time to keep going back on 
on patients and checking in. We rely on the team to pick that up. Absolutely. I know you are a very busy team. Um, and, and when you see patients through the call for concern mechanism, do you tend to change treatment plans much? Or is it, as you say, communication can be an issue? Um, do you change things drastically? And, and how many patients need escalating urgently? So it, urgent escalation. In the last 18 months, we've uh, taken one patient to intensive care. Um, the other treatments, um, we don't change drastically, we tweak. It's like we're supplementary, really. We, we advise, we recommend. So it may be that, you know, the lady that's in pain because she's got rib fractures, maybe we need to involve the pain team. Maybe we can prescribe a slightly different analgesia that would help that. So we supplement um, and advise on the treatment programme. We would rarely change the programme the treatment uh, plan completely. And and it's obviously quite rare that a patient needs quite a rapid um, escalation to a to to intensive care or or similar by the sounds of it. Thankfully, yes, we we have other escalation um, procedures in the hospital for deteriorating patients um, and the nurses act on those appropriately. So thankfully, it's quite rare. Yes. And I know that when it comes to implementing this kind of service, there there can be a concern that that uh, the team will be swamped with calls and it could be uh, almost overwhelming. So what do you actually find? You've got you've got you've had the service for a long time. Do you get many people calling? Is the system abused? The system isn't abused because we say that no call. When people phone, they are anxious and they have tried all other avenues is what we find. So they're quite desperate by the time we, we they call us. Um, so it may be that sometimes we just have to signpost on accordingly or put them in contact with the direct person that would help them. Um, so that again is bridging the communication. Um, when we initially set up the service, um, Mandy O'Dell published and audited our calls. Um, and I think uh, she did it at the seven year interval and we were then looking at six to eight calls a month. Now we put the uh, our phone number and advertised um, slightly wider and putting on the hospital internet last October. Um, and our calls have crept up to 12 a month. And I've just audited November's data um, and we received 22 calls. So our calls are rising and that, that may be a multitude of reasons. It may be that we've um, advertised it more widely so people are more aware. Um, the hospital is extremely busy at the moment. So, um, you know, the, the sheer volume of work, things get missed and communication lapses again. So um, it, it could be a multitude of reasons, really. Yeah, we all know the NHS is under a lot of pressure at the moment, don't we? So that can contribute to some to some issues uh, with care and communication yes. by the sounds yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. But still, even though the numbers are going up, they're not it's not a huge proportion of your work, is it? No, it's not. What we are finding, though, is that the calls are coming in sort of weekends when we're at our busiest and we've got fewer medical teams. Um, so when we're at the busiest, the hospital's at the busiest, 
obviously people aren't getting that communication that their anxiety rises because they're seeing fewer doctors on the wards. So when we're dealing with the calls and in the evenings, it's our most busiest time. Um, because by nature of how the NHS works, your medical teams are fewer and there are fewer people in the evenings and weekends to address those problems. And you're that safety net, aren't you, when someone can't find someone to talk to? So I I suppose you can understand that you will be busiest in, I think you're busiest in the evenings, aren't you, as well? That's right. Yes, if you look at our data, it's weekends, bank holidays and evenings as our busiest time. What can what do the calls tell you about who who tends to be calling? Is it the patients and and what uh, do, are they calling about children or adults? So uh, currently we have very few paediatric calls, um, and I think that's mainly because parents stay with their children, so they speak to the consultant. That communication is uh, better because the parents are there all the time. They've got access to the doctors to um, keep them updated. Um, our calls come in after lunch, sort of 12 till two in the evening um, and six o'clock onwards. Uh, classically, they are female relatives that phone. So they might be daughters or um, mothers that phone concerned about husbands or and wives. So it, they tend to be female and they, they come in sort of, it's after visiting hours really, it's after visiting in the morning and they haven't got that information, it's visiting in the afternoon and they go home and want things sorted by the evening before they go to bed. And it tends yeah. to be um, tends to be very few patients calling for themselves, doesn't it? We get some actually, we get some. Um, staff actually use the service as well. Um, so we, we've, had, we've had staff members that are, are sat up in bed and they're worried about themselves and they, they have access to service. Yeah, but um, no, predominantly it's relatives. And what, what kind of difference do you think the service makes at your hospital? If it wasn't there, what would the difference be for patients? I think obviously it's a, it's a patient safety thing. So um, the 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 patients wouldn't be escalated, the communication would lapse further. So at some point, patient safety would be hindered um, and compromised. Yeah, difficult to measure when we've so few calls, um, but, it, but it would be compromised. And, and are there any challenges in this kind of service? Are there any drawbacks or anyone who might not get quite equitable um, access? Yes, the, one of the biggest challenges we've got, we live in a multicultural society. So making sure the information is given to to all cultures, all ages, um, and giving everybody equal access to the service is a challenge. You, you, we, we have relatives that, you know, it's an older population. So we have people in their 90s that drive. Um, to see their, their partners in hospital. So are they used to phoning with a mobile phone? Can they use a QR code? Can they, are they able to access our services? So that, that is a challenge which we are trying to address. And of course, there are people um, who will have perhaps no relatives, no visitors, and I guess they might be less likely to access the service as well. 
we would hope that the nurses on the ward would promote the service for, for well for all patients but um to to capture those those particularly those patients if they were concerned yes and and for the nurses and doctors who are who are on the wards um where you're called how are you received by them because I, I guess perhaps that could be a bit awkward when you turn up a relative's called you are they uh, are they welcoming what kind of reception do you tend to get we are a well-respected established team in the hospital um, and on the whole people are very grateful for our input into any area um, I think the the initial startup that my colleague Mandy faced when she started the outreach service back in 2001, um, there was some pushback at that point um, about why why would you need an external team coming to help? We don't need your help. But we've overcome those barriers over the years. So we're now integral into the hospital. Um, so we are thankfully, gratefully received um, for all our input in all areas. Great. So when you turn up, um, it, it, people, uh, nurses are happy to share, you know, all their information and you're seen as a really positive patient safety intervention. Yes, yes, definitely. So I guess that brings us to what advice you may have for other hospitals who who are likely to be implementing this kind of service. Um, we know that the government has backed Martha's rule and that they're looking at different models at the moment. Uh, so it's quite likely that uh, hospitals who don't have some kind of service could be, could be implementing something. How would how would you go about it? I would. I'm assuming that most hospitals have some form of critical care outreach service, um, but obviously some people are starting steps back from that. They're having to put in a 24 hour service. Um, but on the assumption that you've got a 24 hour outreach service in place, um, I would look at doing a pilot for a certain area um, to see how you go, how many calls you get. Now we did that pilot back in 2009 we offered the call for concern service to all patients discharged from intensive care to the wards. So, and we did that for six months to sort of gauge what type of calls we get, the number of calls. Um, and then we rolled out after that across the hospital. Um, so I would start small, choose a small area, and then you can pick up the barriers and the problems that you may face um, before you then roll out across the hospital. Fantastic. And I know that you're you're incredibly passionate about this service. Um, do you love working in this kind of role? Every day is varied. Um, there are many challenges, but uh, I love my job. Absolutely love my job. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience of what is a very well established team um, in Reading. What if we were just going to go for, for three top tips for, for nurses in hospitals where a similar scheme might be coming along? What, what would they be? I would say for the people starting the service, uh, start with a pilot, start small, look at all your barriers across the trust. Um, for us, it was a simple thing like we didn't have Wi-Fi, we have black spots across the trust. So start small. Um, Get your nurses on board, uh, make sure they're fully aware of the service because it's them that's promoting it on a day to day basis on the wards. Um, 
and uh, work well, work well with your nursing colleagues. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for sharing everything about Call for Concern with us today, and I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Aaron.